prefaces and introduction of godliness this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by larry wilson godliness by catherine booth publisher's preface in giving this volume to our american readers we are assured that we are doing a special favor to all the lovers of christianity in earnest aggressive christianity from the same talented author has met with unusual favor and has been the means of much good we are confident that the present volume is in all respects equal to the former and that no one can read it without great spiritual profit the introduction by dr daniel steele is a forcible presentation of the main doctrines of the book and is creditable to the head and heart of the writer and a commendation which all intelligent readers will highly esteem our object in publishing these sermons is that their perusal may kindle a flame of revival in the hearts of believers which may result in many turning unto the lord macdonald and gill boston massachusetts author's preface in presenting another volume of reports of my addresses i have only to repeat what i have said with respect to similar books before read for the sake of getting more light and more blessing to your soul and you will i trust partake of the good which many have professed to receive at the west end services wherein most of these words were first spoken i am well aware that in such imperfect reports of for the most part extemporaneous utterances often most hurriedly corrected there may be found abundant ground for criticism but if this book may be the means of leading only a few souls to devote themselves more fully to god and to the salvation of men i shall be more than compensated for any unfriendly criticism with which it may meet i have not sought to please any but the lord and to his fatherly loving-kindness i commend both the book and its readers catherine booth london november tenth eighteen eighty one introduction the sermons of mrs booth already republished under the title of aggressive christianity came to american christians as a tonic to their weakness and a stimulant to their inertness the sermons in the present volume are a much-needed prophylactic a safeguard against several practical errors in dealing with souls errors which lead them into egyptian darkness instead of the marvellous light the sermon on repentance is a most faithful showing up of spurious repentance the vain substitute for a downright abandonment of every form of sin and right about facing towards the lord in directness and point it is a model for earnest revival preaching rather for all preaching to unsaved souls outside the church or within it all of these will be found in some subterfuge which must be ruthlessly torn down before it will be abandoned for the cleft rock the sermon on saving faith is next in order the disastrous consequences of what for the want of a better description may be styled an antinomian faith an unrepentant assent of the intellect to the historic facts of the gospel which too many evangelists and other religious teachers are calling saving faith are clearly set forth and plainly labelled poison this spurious trust in christ following a superficial repentance which has never felt the desperate sinfulness and real misery of sin has furnished our churches with a numerous class of members 
aptly described by the prophet micah quote, the sin of israel is great and unrepented of yet they will lean on the lord and say is not the lord among us Unquote. we are convinced that much of the work of the faithful and pungent preacher who preaches with his eye fixed on the great white throne and the descending judge is to dislodge professors from their imaginary trust in a savior who does not save them and probe deeply their hearts festering with sin which have been hastily pronounced healed slightly healed many of us have incautiously said to awakened souls only believe before we have thrust the heart through and through with the sword of god's law we have dismissed god's schoolmaster the law like the slave charged with the task of leading the boy to school and of committing him to the teacher we have thought to be too harsh and severe for our sentimental age and have unwisely discharged and have assumed its office of a pedagogos to christ and we have missed the way and misled a priceless soul god have mercy on us and give us humility as he gave apollos to be set right by an anointed woman after her timely correction of erroneous teachings on faith mrs booth proceeds pruning knife in hand to cut away from the tree of modern christianity the poisonous fungus of a spurious charity her four sermons on charity are four beacons set on the rocks of counterfeit christian love she sets forth several infallible tests by which genuine love may be distinguished from the devil's base imitation like the epistles of st john these sermons are full of touchstones for testing love that golden principle of the christian life it would be very profitable for all professors of that perfect love which casteth out all tormenting fear to apply unflinchingly these touchstones to themselves they may find the word perfection taking on a meaning deeper broader and higher than they had ever before conceived why should not our conception of christian perfection steadily grow with the increase of our knowledge of god and his holy law the sermon on the conditions of effectual prayer we commend to all christians and to all seekers of christ who are mourning because their prayers do not prevail with god in the clear light of this sermon they will find that the difficulty lies either in the lack of fellowship with jesus christ or of obedience to his commands or in the absence from their hearts of the interceding spirit or in defective faith in the discussion of these hindrances to prayer the preacher lays open the heart and with a skilful spiritual surgery searches it to the very bottom the incisiveness of her style her courage in plain dealing with her hearers tearing off the masks of sin and selfishness the various guises in which these masquerade in many christian hearts and obstruct their access to the throne of grace remind us of dr finney's unsparing exposure and condemnation of these foes to christian holiness and of john wesley's cutting up by the roots sin in believers in this sermon mrs booth turns her attention to another phase of faith and of practical error in the guidance of souls to christ her views on this vexed question are not extreme but philosophical and scriptural she teaches that god has made the bestowment of salvation simultaneous with the exercise of faith and that telling a person to believe he is saved before he is saved is telling him to believe a lie but she insists that the act of faith is put forth with the special aid of the holy spirit 
giving an assurance that the blessing sought will be granted. This assurance, or earnest given by the Spirit, becomes the basis on which the final act of faith rests, namely, I believe that I receive. This corresponds with William Taylor's divine, quote, ascertainment of the fact of the sinner's surrender to God and his acceptance of Christ, unquote, before justification. Footnote. Election of Grace, pages 38 to 42. In footnote. Both teachers agree with Wesley's analysis of faith, which teaches that the fourth and last step, he doth it, can be taken only by the special enabling power of the Holy Spirit. Footnote, Sermons, Patience, Section 13, Scripture, Way of Salvation, Section 17, and Whedon on Mark 11.24. End footnote. All three locate the divine efficiency before the declaration. I believe that I receive, or have received, R.V., making that declaration rest upon the perception of a divine change within the consciousness. They all insist that saving faith is not a mere humanly moral exercise, but that power to believe with the heart descends from God, and that it must be waited for in prayer, and that it becomes in the believer a series of supernatural and spiritual acts, a habit of soul, at once the seed and the fruit of the divine life story, uniting in itself the characters of penitent humility, self-renunciation, simple trust, and absolute obedience grounded in love. These teachers magnify the divine element in faith. We look in vain in their writings for any such direction to a penitent as this. Believe that you are saved because God says so in his word. But rather believe that you are saved when you hear his spirit crying, Abba, Father, in your heart. Many modern teachers fall into the error of treating saving faith as an unaided intellectual act to be performed at will at any time. It is rather a spiritual act, possible only when prompted by the Holy Spirit, who incites to faith only when he sees true repentance and a hearty surrender to God. Then the Spirit reveals Christ and assists to grasp him. In the refutation of the high predestinarian doctrine that faith is an irresistible grace sovereignly bestowed upon the elect, there is greater danger of falling into the opposite error called Pelagianism, which makes saving faith an exercise which the natural man is competent to put forth without the help of the Holy Spirit. The real guilt of unbelief lies in that voluntary indifference towards Christ and impenitence of heart in which the Holy Spirit cannot inspire saving faith. In our introduction to aggressive Christianity, we advertised in behalf of the American churches a universal want, enthusiasm. In her brief Exeter Hall address, Mrs. Booth discloses the source of the supply. Holiness is the wellspring of enthusiasm. Hence it is not a spring freshet, but an overflowing river of power in all its possessors, and notably in the Salvation Army, bearing the unchurched masses of England on its bosom. A holy enthusiasm is contagious and conquering. We cannot touch the people with the icicle of logic, but they will not fail to bow to the scepter of glowing and joyful love. Few men can reason, all can feel. Enthusiasm and full salvation, like the Siamese twins, cannot be separated and live. The error of the modern pulpit is that of the blacksmith hammering cold steel. A faint impression, 
and huge labor the baptism of fire softening our assemblies would lighten the preacher's toil and multiply its productiveness the four addresses on holiness are horatory rather than argumentative or exegetical they are spiritual cyclones it is difficult to see how any christian could withstand these impassioned appeals to make what joseph cook calls quote, an affectionate total irreversible eternal self-surrender to jesus christ as both savior and lord unquote. in order to attain that quote, perfect similarity of feeling with god unquote, wherein evangelical perfection consists it gives me great pleasure to have some humble part in echoing across the american continent these glowing utterances from the lips of this modern deborah the christian prophetess raised up by god for the deliverance of his people from captivity to worldliness and religious apathy would god that all the lord's people men and women were prophets and that the lord would put his spirit upon them shall we the spirit's course restrain or quench the heavenly fire let god his messengers ordain and whom he will inspire blow as he lists the spirit's choice of instruments we bless we will of christ be preached rejoice and wish the word success daniel Steele, reading massachusetts november twenty third eighteen eighty three end of prefaces and introduction